We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either you're first or you're last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Star on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. With 14 seconds left. And the Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Star lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. Or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they going to roll it? He caught it. Touchdown. He did what? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. And he's caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Hey there. Welcome to Talk of the Tundra, GSPN's Green Bay Packers podcast. Numak is away. Your usual host, Jordan Tresky, your usual semi-usual co-host, also away, but Myself, Ty Windish, and the, you know, geographically closest to this game, Adam That's McGee right. from GSPN are on top of it. Only right that we'd have you on for this one, at least based on where the game was, not not how it went, Adam. But uh, how's it going, sir? Well, you say not based on how it went. I am now 0 for 2 on appearances. I'm going to put it straight out okay. there because I don't want anyone else to say it. So I've made two appearances on Talk of the Tundra, both planned out in advance, and both ended up being in the aftermath of Packers' losses. So maybe no one wants me on the pod ever again. I don't know if I want to be on the pod ever again, but for now, you know, Numak doesn't like to do a loss. I think that's really what the issue is here. So someone had to step up, so here I am, Ty. Yeah, he's got some sort of a spidey sense for when they're not going to go well, apparently. Um, no, yeah, I think, you know, now that unfortunately uh, the, one of the other shows that you regularly host, Cruising for a Bruising, I'm rocking the shirt a little oh, late. Nice. A little late. If you're not watching, you can always watch uh, Talk of the Tundra on GSPN's YouTube and find Cruising, which will be back with a postmortem, I suppose, episode uh, soon. In middle the coming. this week. Middle, middle of okay, this week. I, I think. Yeah. 
think we're waiting for some more uh, quotes. I believe it's Tuesday. There's going to be some more Brewers kind of quotes coming out. Andrew wants me to react to them based on how that <laughs> went last time out. So we'll we'll talk some more Brewers probably sometime around Wednesday. Check out GSPN Info or just search Cruising for a Bruising wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, we've got a bunch of Bucks stuff coming at the Eurostep Podcast Network Bucks feed and some really fun Make Time for This Pop Culture podcast as well. So after you listen to this, if you want to just get your mind off the Packers for a few days until the next episode here, there's a lot you can go check out all across the Eurostep Podcast Network. But Adam, we do need to talk about this game Usually we do, you know, the different sides of the ball, offense, defense, we'll still do that. But this was a game where it does make sense to talk about, you know, not wholly chronologically, but it was a tale of two halves for Green Bay and the New York Giants. The Packers lost 27-22, if if you somehow were not aware. Um, And do you want to start with the offense, which I think is, as we agreed before we started recording, the bigger issue, although the defense was not good in this game, or should we talk about the defense first and then just, you know, save the best course for last and best in terms of best content? Because I think we have a lot to say on the offense. Honestly, we can go either way, because as you said, this is a tale of two halves for both sides of the ball as well. So either way, whichever one we talk about, there's going to be a progression or more accurately a regression (laughs) as we as we carry through our conversation. Let's let's do the offense. Let's get right to it. Let's have the main course up first. You know, at halftime, Green Bay is up 20 to 10, scored 10 points in each of the first two quarters. It was Green Bay's highest scoring first quarter of the season. I believe that it was seven at when only one of the games. They had not been uh, an early score team. This was also the first game where Green Bay scored on their opening drive. I want to say it was they scored a field goal first time out, which had not happened yet. And things look good. The running backs are running. The Packers, some shots down the field, but a lot of, you know, horizontal passing and just incremental plays and moving the ball. You know, Randall Cobb doing what he does. Alan Lazard looking good. Uh, Randall Cobb was one yard short of 100 in this game. He continues to look like 26-year-old Randall Cobb and really be a revelation like the Wes Matthews comp is really bearing out here in terms of this guy who... I don't know if any of us expected this from him. Um, that's some of the good. Some of the bad, the offense does not score in the second half. Technically, Green Bay scored two. The Giants took a safety on purpose because they were kind of bungling, running out the clock at the end of the game. Uh, but the offense does not find pay dirt whatsoever in the second half. And it was really awful. Uh, and we'll get into it. But first, before we get into what went wrong... What was your impression on, on the first half, the, the good stuff here from Green Bay? First half was great. For the first time this season, they were moving the chains consistently. We were really getting some sense of flow, of some rhythm, and a real variance in the offense. I think if you were to look to what does the best version of the Packers offense look like this season, I don't think it's exactly what we saw in the, in the first half, but that's the closest we've probably been to it so far this season. And it comes from a lot of the stuff that obviously Numak, yourself, Todd, or Jordan, me, when I was previously on, we've talked about from the beginning of this podcast through the first weeks of the season. And that is the Packers have to run the ball and you've got to give the ball to your most talented players. And with the construction of the roster this year, it just so happens 
that quite comfortably two of your best players are running backs. And maybe not quite to the extent still that we would like to see, but they were doing that. There were good decisions being made in the first half. And not like through any surprise, when you run the ball and you find some success running the ball, that's what's going to open up the field for you to have some of those deeper shots down the field. And they were connecting more. There was, I think, real reason to believe that was a, a path that Rodgers could have continued to go down. But if you want to go that route, you've also got to keep the defense honest by running the ball. And when things turn south and what we've seen in previous games this season is like, if we're going to be kind and we're not going to even just break it down into um rushing and passing it's when the Packers become really predictable things just stall in a hurry and more concerningly once they become really predictable the Packers just seem to do the same thing over and over again it's like they don't know to break out of it a couple of empty trips isn't enough for them to be like okay it's it's time to change this up it's time to make sure we're mixing up our offense again they just go back to the well over and over at this point it's tough to know like is that Rogers? Is that just Rogers being like, yeah, I want to air out the ball. Give me, give me the ball. And I want to find my guys where you're kind of like, most of your guys aren't on this team anymore. Like there's, there's a learning curve there as we're all probably tired of hearing at this point. But beyond that, if you want to make it easier for the likes of Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson, or even someone like Alan Lazard, for as much as he's trusted, is now in just so much bigger of a role than he's ever found himself in on the Packers. You've got to mix up your offense and you've got to create opportunities where those guys have time and space to make catches rather than kind of on the swivel, they're just turning and something's being like gunned at their head. So that's that's part of it that's disappointing is one that when it falls off from a point where pretty healthy in the first half, it's kind of some of the core principles of what you'd like to see from the offense. But when it goes stagnant, when it goes stale, no one, no one has the awareness. Like Rogers in his own right, you'd expect to have it. Matt LaFleur, you'd certainly expect to have it. No one at any point is like, okay, we need to go back to the run here. We need to get some easy yards with two of the best running backs in the league. Instead, it's just the same thing over and over again. And the results aren't coming from it. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the just... And I think especially this is something I wanted to tackle as I think maybe the loudest on the GSPN crew for Packers talk in saying, I do want them to go downfield more. Because I thought their offense was almost entirely underneath in some of the first four games of the season. And I just thought it's too much. It's too limited. You can do more. The whole point, I think the whole, the the best version of this Packers offense, this one specifically is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon soften up a defense and make it easy to go long. And that's how it has to work. Like, that's how this team is built. That's how LeFleur coaches. And that's when, you know, off of play action, which we saw some great play action in the first half, you know, you get Dobbs going downfield. You get Lazard crossing over the middle. You know, once the defense has to allocate the resources, you know, more in the box, bigger personnel, because it is so hard to stop Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Even in this game, Jones 4.8 per carry, Dillon 5.7 per carry. Like, And the long for each was 11. Again, it's it's not a case of one big run boosting the averages. They move, they move the chains really effectively. But the balance just went away entirely. Like early in the year, it was, I think, a little too conservative. 
in this game, it went from a pretty good mix, especially on the touchdown drives, to just throw, 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 throw. And I think, you know, not to skip ahead too quickly, but the seminal drop, the seminal moments in this game were the three and out after the Giants tied it up, three pass attempts, no rushes, punt, no yards, nothing. And then the red zone going for it on third and fourth, obviously on third, but third and fourth down and two in the red zone. Both throws, both get batted away by the Giants' pass rush. And the Green Bay did get another chance, and that pass also gets batted down into a fumble. Like, it, it's extra embarrassing that they couldn't even get the ball to the line of scrimmage on their bad decisions. Like, I don't think it needed to be that bad for those to be the wrong call, but it really highlighted just, like, why? What I mean, the last one was a Hail Mary. That's just a failed play. But the, the two yards and two, and I know Aaron Jones, after the game, did say he would have bet – that he or AJ could have gotten two yards if either of them had gotten a chance on either of those those two plays. I would bet that too. Yeah, Aaron Jones. me too. Like, that's a I, good I bet. don't know if there's anyone on the planet who would not make Aaron that Aaron Rodgers, like, apparently, or and, and LaFleur. And I do, we should tackle this. I, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's a little unknowable. Rodgers has a lot of control at the line of scrimmage. LaFleur is the, the coach who calls the plays. I, I just think we say it's both. Like, there's got to be yeah. credit and blame attributed to both. I well, personally, even, even if it's forward, one or the other, Rogers. yeah, go ahead. If it's if it's one or the other, the other person has to chime up and yeah, be like, yeah. "No, we're not doing that again. Yeah. We're not getting positive results out of it. We need to run it this time." Like, so it could easily we we could we don't know which one, so we can't shift the blame to one person specifically. But even if we wanted to assume that was the case. There are multiple decision makers in that process who can use their voice and be like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this again? And two yards, you've got two downs to get them. You're, what, six yards away from from the touchdown that sends it to overtime or gives you a chance to win it with a two-point play. And you're passing both times. You're like, and I think the decision gets made there kind of on the first attempt. Do you think it's more visceral to turn over with the run on downs at that point of the game, I don't know. I don't like. I don't. By the I, way. I I would like to see team. the run though from from third down straight yeah. away. I would, that would have been. And then if it's even a marginal gain, if you gain inches, if you gain a yard, you're like, okay, well now we've got a yard for AJ Dillon to go and get. It's like, yeah, again, I'm gonna take those odds. But yeah. when you throw and very very nearly intercepted when when that one's kind of batted down and almost recovered, um, and then for the same thing to happen again it's wild really really wild just how you get to that point and you get rogers kind of end the game with that right smile on his face and you just you'd love to know maybe we wouldn't die what's going through his head <laughs> we like, will on tuesday exactly are you thinking pat mcafee show listeners will know That's on tuesday true. what was going through his head i'm sure someone else can tell me yeah yeah um it, it'll be it'll be all over i'm sure but yeah, it was just one of those moments. And, you know, two rushes before that, first and 10, Aaron Jones up the middle for seven. Second and three, Aaron Jones up the middle for two. So ESPN is actually calling it third and fourth and one. I did think it was two, but, you know, whatever they attributed as, it was third and then fourth and short. And I, I think if you want to go for a pass on one of the downs, obviously they had to go for two. You're down seven with, you know, two less like less than two minutes to play in the game. I don't even hate if you want to throw it once 
I thought the plays they were running, I like that is not the time to me to go out to the side and a, a pass play that can be risky can easily lose you yards. And at that point, I'd rather just have the safety of the rush. But given this team and the makeup of this team, the way they run block, they've t- I, I think the offensive line is a weird one to evaluate because I think their pass blocking has been highly suspect lately. But the run blocking seems pretty good as because the running backs continue to thrive. So it's a bit of an odd split there. Um, but if you don't get the fourth and two rush, wh- whichever it is, as long as it's a real rush play, we had, what was that? Was that the Vikings game where they did yeah, the stopped on the, on the goal line? Yeah. yeah. The snap on the goal line where they basically did the read option, which is like trying to do both at once and neither thing worked. Do a real running play, like under center, give it to either of those guys. Maybe have Dylan in as the fullback, whatever you want to do. I think if that fails, you just live with it and go, we're a running team. Like, we're a running team. If we don't get it, we don't get it. But I think you live with that just fine. The problem is I don't know if every all the personnel and coaching staff always remembers enough that they are a running team, or at least they should be a running team. Because when they are, they're a good offense. And when they're not, they're an offense that scores zero points in two quarters against the New York football giants. The, the other part of it is – and. If you disagree, let me know on this. I don't feel like they have the kind of receivers who are best suited to those kind of routes where you have very little ground to make up, where you're kind of you're within five yards. Like Randall Cobb is Rogers guy in that scenario. But I also think he's one of the few receivers on the team where that's a very, very natural route for him um, to to go and score from where like just to me where I'm like, what is my best chance in terms of who's most comfortable in this situation? Who's going to be best able to execute what they're good at. I'm going to the running backs. And honestly, if I'm passing, I'm probably more likely even to be targeting someone like Aaron Jones um, than some of the other receivers. But that's, that's something too, where it's just, it doesn't even feel like the right play for the personnel that they have. Um, It's, it's not kind of the strength. I don't feel like, We've we've seen issues. Um, even wasn't wasn't quite as kind of uh, compact and congested a field when this happened for him today. But Alan Lazard had a drop today that I thought he really should have had, and we've seen issues with drops from Packers receivers all throughout the season so far. And in those kind of tight spaces where contact is guaranteed to be coming, where the window to get a pass through is really really narrow there aren't a whole lot of receivers that I'm like, yeah, well, if you put it to that guy, he's definitely going to catch it. I, I do think Cobb is like maybe the only guy in that situation. And if Rogers had have missed the hand on the, the third down throw, well, Cobb probably does catch it. And then this game is going to overtime. I mean, the shoulder, like he threw it basically directly into the, the, or that the guy's of, head. Sorry. Yeah. It's basically yeah. His, his face. Uh, really, really just, you don't not used to seeing that from Rogers. Although, I guess Sarta should be because I think there was a lot of missed throws. I I semi agree. I think Cobb is good for it. Lazard I think is questionable. Dobbs I think they've kind of gone away from doing it with Dobbs because he's had some issues with that. Also like that the weird thing with me about the offense in general. I think Watson is pretty suited for it. Um, to finish the thought, they're throwing them to like Tunyon and Tyler Davis. I'm like, why? Why are we? Uh, AJ Dillon had six touches in this game. Why would that not be AJ Dillon? But I just I don't I don't get Tyler Davis just. I don't get the point of it. Um, it's fine, I guess. Watson gets hurt, and I think in the third quarter with a hamstring and did not return. Tough rookie year so far with injuries. 
I think he's a guy where you just get him the ball and he just does stuff and it's it's exciting. But the the odd thing is I just feel like we're not at that point anymore where we were at like week two where all of the playmakers were a question mark and there needed to be this weirdness. Like I think it's pretty well established. That the, I mean, Watson is still has no set role as a true wide receiver yet and it's it's a work in progress. But Lazard and Dobbs and Cobb are all like very capable of running the typical routes. It's just, I feel like the settling in has happened enough at this point. Maybe it hasn't. Um, The other thing about... Well, actually, let let me counter my own point. One thing there. The other candidate is Mercedes Lewis uh, caught a touchdown earlier in the The game. The London legend. I think that's his fourth touchdown in London. He's clearly the only Packer who likes playing in London. We'll get to someone who really does it later and has spoken about it now <laughs> multiple times from his previous trip to this one. But on an occasion like that, I think part of the difference is, and that's where if it's some of your bigger bodies, again, if it is like Robert Tunyon, get some good blocking going. Romeo Dobbs continues to be really, really impressive as a blocker. Lazard too, I would space. say. But yeah, Dobbs Lazard is too, someone that, we didn't that, know. That's something we're used to with Lazard, yeah. but Romeo Dobbs, it's like, okay, well, that's something he's settling in at a really high level and creating good space, easy scoring opportunities. It felt like just that kind of creativity was gone from those final two plays, though, and the execution clearly just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, is that down to then, you know, some of the younger guys, some of the less experienced guys, they're not used to being in roles of such prominence in those kind of big moments where it's very much now or never. I don't know, but you do have guys who can do it. They're your running backs, and your quarterback certainly knows what those moments are like, so he should be saying, "Hey, let's let's make sure the ball goes to the guys who do know how to do that." Aaron Jones is the obvious one. It's just, yeah, it continues to be pretty egregious one way or another most weeks at this point. Um, how many touches Jones is getting, or when he's getting those touches, might be even a better way of putting it. But it's pretty inexcusable um, how those final two plays played out, particularly after the way the whole second half played out, because the second half falls apart because of the same thing that ultimately cost you on the final two plays. And that's going away from the run entirely. Yeah. I think the three and out was actually more egregious with the game tied because that is, I know people will argue in all sports about momentum. I think football, maybe it's felt the most and the giants, tie it up and they're finally moving the ball. And we'll talk about defense shortly, but you know, not great in the second half, pretty clearly. And the Packers get the ball back. I want to say about six minutes left type tie football game. That to me, knowing this team and the personnel just screams, this is going to be a drive where we are handing it to Jones and then Dylan and then throwing and not, maybe not obviously not that predictably. Maybe it could be that predictable and it would still work though. Like the Giants did not have good answers to those guys running. Their defense had much more success getting to Rodgers and blowing up plays than they did stopping Green Bay's running backs reliably. That's just the perfect situation for that. Tie football game, run down some clock, but you're not in a position where you need to move super fast. Six minutes is plenty of time to still hand off, especially given how explosive those two players are. And I believe it was three straight passes, none even targeting the running backs. So it's not like there was a you know, a run by proxy in there. It was incomplete deep to Lazard, short middle to Cobb, deep left to Lazard. So two shots and then one to Cobb. That I don't remember exactly why that got broken up. 
And then a bad punt by uh, by O'Donnell, surprisingly. Oh, it was actually no, it was almost a fumble. It was a weird, weird punt play by O'Donnell. Um, but that I just in that situation, and actually I was wrong. There was ten minutes left in the game, not six minutes, so plenty of time to run the football. It's just bizarre, and I do think this is the weirdest part of the Green Bay offense. Is it seems like almost every game, it's always worse late. They always, I don't know if they get tight, if they get shook, if if it's Rodgers or LaFleur, that combo saying, oh, we got to put the ball in a reigning back-to-back MVP. We got to have the ball in his hands here. I don't know what it is, but it's truly bizarre because the obvious successful game plan is there. And it's not like, I don't think, outside of the Vikings game where they just got manhandled, it's not like they've been in situations where we just can't run. There's just not enough time left. That's an obvious running, methodical drive situation for any team because run down that clock and give less time for the Giants to answer back when they're kind of rolling. And then you punt, you gain zero yards, you eat 30 seconds, and the Giants run down and take the lead that they would hold until the end. That drive to me is even worse. I mean, I think the third and fourth and two or whatever were bad, but I think that three and out is just like that's that's where you lost truly lost control of the football game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I think the the final drive what hurts with that is kind of in spite of yourself, you got yourself in position to do right. what you needed to do. So so that's where that one stings. To your point about momentum in any sports, or perhaps even more so in football, the reason for that is because it's an offense-defense game. And if your offense is not giving your defense time to rest and the opposing offense is growing in confidence, well, things can go downhill really quickly. And that's what happened there. It wasn't the best uh, defensive half at all from the Packers. The run defense really crumbled. But is part of that down to the fact that they spent a lot more time than they really should have if the offense had anything going on the field in the second half? You can't say that it doesn't factor in at all. So part of that is managing a game, and even when your offense is, isn't firing, the value in just 
you know, picking up one or two first downs, um, finding some way that you can milk the clock and you can buy your guys a breeder. Because if you're going to ask them to come out there again, and it's a case of, okay, you're going to have to come out there and deliver, and then you're going to have to go back to the sidelines and watch us try to, like, remember to run the ball. That's that's going to be very frustrating and demoralizing, and I, I think that's a tough kind of second half for the defense. Not that the defense, um, both individually and systematically, which I guess brings us to a coaching perspective there too, are beyond any criticism for how things unfolded here. But I, I do think they weren't given even the slightest ounce of help from the offense, and that's that's a problem. Yeah. And to your point, generally, I mean, we're now on a run where this just this team doesn't show up for second halves. And they're trained to not all that great. This is a stretch where I think we would like to see them put their foot down and really kind of show who they are. There's still a couple of games where you'd like to say that that will still come to the fore. Right now, I'm not overly confident. But with that train two record, you're looking at a game one where, as you said, they get beaten pretty comfortably. But we can all point to reasons in terms of scheme and matchups why that game... Uh, should not have been such a heavy defeat, and it's a game it's a that week the one, which apparently it's a week is just, one, it's which the Packers, the Packers just don't yeah. they don't do anymore. Yeah. We'll add London games to things that they just you know they're not interested in, and uh, they should just skip in future. But I I think this team in another world they could be five and zero, oh, and yet I don't think they've played well in a single game, and that's that's maybe the biggest concern there. Even like okay, quality win somewhat. Um, against the Buccaneers. You kind of, you grind that one out. Uh, same goes for New England, where it really should be much more comfortable if you look at the, the personnel you're going up against. But you grind it out. And that's something where if the spark then comes and you see a really positive performance that gives you real hope, you're like, okay, well, that's a sign of a good team, a resilient team, a winning team. Found ways to get it done when they weren't playing well. We're through five weeks now, and I'm still waiting for the Packers to play well. That yeah. is alarming. It's really alarming. I think it's normal for NFL teams. I was just listening to Sam and Steve on the PFF NFL pod talking about this. All of the recent Super Bowl winners, you can look at a stretch in their season where you just go, they're they just they're not right. They just don't have it. You know, certainly um, the Rams had their weird stretches. The the Chiefs year they were a little shaky. The Buccaneers. For, for whatever reason, just could not beat the Saints in the regular season that year. You know, that's normal. I don't think it's normal to get through five games. And there's been no point where late in a game, I went, Packers look great today. It just hasn't happened. And that is really concerning. And not to get too far, and I want to circle back and talk more about just Rodgers' game for a little bit. But the next two games are Jets and Commanders. I think home Jets in Washington for the Commanders. You got to win both. A, because the Vikings, although it was shaky, did beat the Bears today. They're 4-1. and one. The worst they're going to do is split, from the Vikings' perspective, split the season series against the Packers. They have a softer schedule. So they might blow it. They're the Vikings. They do that. But that, that first, that game in Lambeau is going to be really important because then, you know, basically you're, you're uh, half game back by default. And just all the easy games now are important. This should have been one. I mean, the Giants are 4-1. and one. Yes, they played a good game. I just don't think they have the personnel of a true 
four and one team. We'll see how they play the rest of the year. I'd be I'd be stunned. They don't have the depth. They don't have yeah. the personnel to go the distance. Like it, it feels like something that's just gonna run out of gas at any moment. Yeah. Kind of felt like it should have today when Barkley's out of the game for a long stretch. You're like, oh well, this should be it. Yep. And the Packers let them off the hook on that. Yeah, and they have like no plus pass catchers. Uh Daniel Jones is on a bum ankle and looked like he was I think he would have rushed for more yards if if he was a little healthier. Um but I will say I thought the Giants seemed like they they were schemed up well. And I think they really put their players in good positions and especially in that second half had a sound plan. I don't think it's a coincidence that they scored 14 of their 27 points in the fourth quarter after that defense just had to keep going out on the field. Did not get any breaks in that second half, really. Uh, I, I think though that's very connected. But Rodgers in general. Oh, they need to win the next two weeks and then the hard game start. And they also need to figure out – they need to play a good football game in the next two weeks, even more importantly. Yeah, you can, you can have two ugly wins and then go play the Bills and be like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's in Buffalo, <laughs> too, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're a little banged up now. We'll see what they look like then. But that is maybe the best team in the – let's – We'll preview the Bills game when we're there, but I, I, there's, there is a world where we feel okay about that game, but we need to see a different Packers team over these next two weeks because right now that's not going to go well uh, for Green Bay. But Rodgers, part of the reason I think for me of, I guess, pessimism, and I don't want to be a downer Packers analyst. I do think there is a great football team in here. It just hasn't put together the pieces. Rodgers on these deep throws has just been inaccurate. It's just not been good. And I think the worst example, I believe this was still the first half, but the throw to Cobb where he clearly had his man beat on the streak to the end zone. I know. I think it was back foot. There was pressure coming. I just feel like I'm so used to seeing Rodgers just find a way to get the ball. Was there. this kind of, was this the one under the, was this the one where it was kind of caught behind Cobb and he nearly got a hand on it? Is yeah. That the... Yeah. Yeah. Because even the... you, you make a good point about his, deep throws even some of the medium stuff because there's another one to Cobb kind of on the diagonal where Rogers is kind of over in the right field and Cobb goes streaking towards the end zone the left corner and it's overthrown by like a good eight nine yards you're yeah. like whoa and, that, and he's not having to throw it that hard like you're not that far away so that was an issue kind of beyond that and it's been a thing a few a few times there's one with Dobbs too where Rodgers was really shaking his head, and I was like, is he blaming Dobbs? Oh, the out route. There the out that? route was right yeah, after the Cobb it's... one. And I thought, again, it's maybe the communication was off, but also, I mean, he where he was at in the route, there's only so many places he's going to end up, right? Like, I think even if it's a little off, the ball should have still been catchable for Dobbs, and it, there was just nothing there, no play there for him. And then I think right yeah, after I, that, he I, takes I, a I set. didn't see anything with the route unless – like Rogers is like you should have been four yards faster. Right. Like it's it's not that close. It's this is not a a pass thrown even within any kind of diving distance. These are just being kind of airmail over guys' heads. That is a big big concern. Yeah, I think one of the one one of the Lazard ones I think was pretty perfect that he was able to haul in. But a lot of them it felt like for, some of them were bad decisions. Like Lazard wasn't that open, and they got away with that in the Patriots game. There was one where. I was screaming, run, run, run the ball. And he just throws a, a perfect strike to Lazard. And it's like, okay, if that, that, I think that the, the issues for the Packers on offense boil down to Rodgers isn't doing that consistently anymore. Like yeah, five years ago. He's not MVP Rodgers this two year. Years like he ago, was last two. Yeah, last year. It's just like he could say, no, I'm just going to throw it because I'm Aaron Rodgers. It's like, oh, it works out. 
early it felt like he couldn't do that because of the pass catchers. These last two weeks, doesn't look like it's been those guys' fault. It's like he hasn't been able to do that because he's just not placing the throws where they need to be. And some of it is open throws that he's missing. Some of it is tight window throws that they're not perfect, so they just end up incomplete. Those are the kind of dangerous balls that can also get picked as well. That that didn't happen. There were no no turnovers for either team in this game. But it's just like the that extra, like, really freaky precision has not been there at all. And not saying Rodgers is terrible, but it took him 12 more passing attempts to get five more yards than Air- Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. First half, Rodgers was very efficient, which again is to the first half. The difference between the two in the conversation there, but that comes from in the first half, there was Played recognition the of if you want to have easy passes, if you want guys to be open, if you want young receivers to have time and space to make it as easy as possible for them, got to run the ball. And you go away from that, and it, like that's the part where I struggle with it too in terms of getting into, well, why is this happening? And if it's Rodgers, he's not helping himself by taking it all upon himself because his own numbers suffer. It's as simple as like the more it's just a case of, oh, well, it's always Rodgers trying, the easier it gets for the opponent to cover that. And that's something which is just kind of, I don't know, unexplainable right now. Um, whether he just turns it on and becomes MVP yeah. caliber and Rodgers this season remains to be seen. I mean, neither of us are going to say that's not possible. Neither of us are going to say that that he just could come out next week and be that guy and be that guy the rest of the season. And then that's not the storyline that's in play. But I do think, and particularly as uh, like, I was going to say, as he gets older, like he is older, he's, he's old. already got old. Yeah. You've got to have better awareness of a day where you just don't have it quite dialed in and be like, okay, well, what, what do we do here to best position the team to win? If I can't do that single handedly, and this team is perfectly designed for that, for a quarterback of Rodgers' capabilities. Like, this is the thing when we talk about losing Devontae Adams and all the questions that come out of that. I'm certainly not saying right now, <laughs> as lots of people were for the season, oh, you know, well, it could be could be better for him because we've got to look for different guys. He's still at times, late in this game, maybe part of that is he's kind of out there and his head's on a swivel and he's like, where's Devontae? It's like, Devontae's not there. It was, where's Um, Cobb? That's what it became. Cobb had as many targets as Aaron Jones had uh, runs in this game. 13 for each. He targeted Randall Cobb 13 times. That probably wasn't the worst of his decision-making by any measure either. Based on what Randall Randall Cobb was giving him right now. Yeah, I'm not trying to put Cobb down, but it's, he's not. As good as he's been, he's not. He's not Tay. Even even for with sure. as good as he's been, like, sure. there's still. You, I, and I don't think targeting Tay constantly was great offense all the time either. But it was still better than you know. Again, no shade yeah. to Randall and, Cobb. He's had a great. And season. if you want to, if you want to cover your your all time great aging quarterback, the thing to give him is like absolutely elite running backs yep. to give him options that when it's not there, it's like okay. It's not even that we've given you so many options that you've got to find. It's like, no, don't worry about passing when it's not there. We are going to have a running game that is sophisticated enough, that has multiple weapons, where we're able to rely almost solely on the running game from time to time. And that will buy you time. It will give you greater chances. And this is the kind of game where you've got to use that. 
And if he doesn't have the recognition to pivot to that himself, it's like that's where it's on a coach. You've got to got to really take control of that and make those calls of like, this is how we win these games. So that in a week down the line, whether it's next week, whether it's like week twelve, whether it's on en route to a Super Bowl, where Aaron Rodgers can be Aaron Rodgers in the classic sense. If that's to happen, you've got to be able to find ways to win as a team in a game like this. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about they have to get it together for prior to the Buffaloes and the harder games, uh, the, the Jets and the Commanders. Like, these should be games that, you know, you cannot be great and win. Like, I mean, this game, they again, they prob- they could have still won. I mean, the Giants played really well in the fourth quarter and, and made it tough and put the game away, but it was not out of reach. I think the dream on offense is Rodgers plays within the system and then can still make those special throws when they're there or when he needs to. I think you need one of those things at a bare minimum or the offense just won't function. So either Rodgers play again, which we've seen series and quarters where Rodgers is, I know people use this as a derogative, the perfect LaFleur system quarterback where he's spreading the ball around, you know, work in the middle, handing the ball off a lot, the offense hums, and then there's just those random, like we talked about, the three and out where he's just trying to throw down field and it's not there. Either he has to become that MVP Rodgers who just nails every throw, or he has to buy in for the whole game and just say, yeah, Aaron Jones is going to do more work in this offense than I am this year, and and Jones and Dylan are going to be as involved as I am, and that's that's just how we win football games. If neither of those things happen, though, I just don't think the results are going to ever be there. I think they, they need one or the other. So in a certain sense, either play or buy into the system, it's all going to come down to Aaron Rodgers, which kind of makes sense considering he's the two-time reigning MVP who's making a boatload of money and not playing very well this season. The problem is if you say, if you wanted to point to who views uh, the the perfect Matt LaFleur system quarterback as a pejorative, as the ultimate pejorative, probably more than anyone else on the planet, the answer to that question might be Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. So that's, that's the issue. Yeah. Which will have to be resolved one way or another uh, over these, these next several weeks over the course of the season. But let's move to the defense. We spent a lot of time on the offense, which I think is, is fitting. I do think you have Aaron Rodgers, you can't score points in the second half ever. It's a pretty big deal and worth talking about and a pretty big failure. The defense, again, starts off great. Three points in the first quarter allowed, seven in the second quarter, three in the third quarter, and then it falls apart, giving up two pretty substantial touchdown drives to Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the New York Giants. Just, it, it just, I agree. I think they ran out of gas. Another one of those games, though, and it's been a little off and on, but it just feels like the front seven is not accomplishing enough. Outside of the one big run, they kind of held Saquon Barkley in check. I mean, average is 5.4 with the 40-yarder. So outside of that, pretty pretty reasonable average for a guy who's been the best offensive player in football this year, or at least the best non-quarterback offensive player in football. Uh, Daniel Jones, though, 21 of 27, 217 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, but just was able to move the ball in the second half. And it just felt like after a first half where I thought the pass rush was getting there, even though I think there was only one sack in this game, there was, or Jones was only sacked once. It there was just, a lot of pressure on him in the first half. And and he was making good throws. I remember saying mm-hmm. in, in the GSPN Discord, which you can get access to at gspn.info, at one point in the first half, 
I was like, he's got a lot of poise. I think he's really hitting throws. They weren't able to string it together because of the pressure. And it is, it's just harder. Um, but, you know, I thought he made some throws and, and that's how they got on the board at all in the first half. In the second half, though, felt like he was under no pressure. He's able to roll out comfortably, wait and wait and wait. And then the soft zone is just letting guys get open. And it felt very much to me like Daniel Jones is better, but like watching Bailey Zappi, you know, they run these soft looping play actions and he just sits there and hits an open throw. And it, it just looks so easy at times. I mean, Jones made some nice throws too, some clutch ones on third down, but a lot of it just felt very effortless for the Giants offense, which is not ideal when Darius Slayton and Marcus Johnson and Daniel Bellinger are getting big gains against your vaulted or vaunted defense. Yeah, and I, I think you, you mentioned soft zone. It's not the first time, it's not the last time, or maybe if we're lucky, it could be the last time. When the holes appear, they appear in a hurry. And I think week to week, there is a greater awareness around the league, it feels like, of how to exploit that. And I do think the Giants did have some tools in their arsenal that certainly play to that. And um, talking just before we started recording, you rightly mentioned that, you know, Daniel Jones fit the bill of a quarterback that is just going to cause the Packers problems, which is someone who is mobile and able to rush. And he wasn't at anywhere near his most mobile. I think it is, again, a big concern if the level of mobility that he, on his bad ankle today, had out there is a problem for you. But it is, because gaps open up and the whole defense just kind of collapses. And there are big openings. And generally, I do think there is an opportunity, you know, for opposing teams. Like, if you want to go and you know, soften up the Packers defense with the rush. Well, you may not need to pass at all because I do think gaps can open up there. And we saw a couple of really notable instances of that today to turn the game. Beyond that, though, we also just saw some kind of sloppiness and ill-discipline at key moments that, that really kind of flipped this game. Uh, Rasul Douglas, quite uncharacteristically, had a nightmare game. Um, three penalties, I believe, assessed to him. I think two pass interference and one his last and maybe the one that was kind of most costly immediately was uh, unnecessary roughness after play where it should have been third and five for the Giants as they were hunting down what proved to be the winning touchdown. And instead they got a first down out of that when there's no need, when the Packers had actually made a pretty good stand defensively to held them and you're like, okay, here we are, it's two more plays, and this game is in our hands to win. Just cheap penalties. Um, yeah, I think that I'll one... Give, I'll give the Russell Douglas quote, and apologies, Ty, but no, Russell Douglas is going to demand that you mark this podcast as explicit now. Okay, uh, fair. After the game, Russell Douglas said, I quote, I'm pretty sure we all feel bad. Looking around, we all look bad. I just told everybody it was my fault. I had three uncharacteristic fucking penalties that I don't usually get, but I had them. That fucked the whole defense up. End quote. He's right. It did. Like, that's that's a very simple thing. Um, The defense was not kind of well-oiled in any way today, but the timing of a couple of those, one of them wipes off what would have been a really important sack, and then within a couple of plays, um, the Giants... uh, are rushing for like 43 yards so that's one key one and the other is on the what proves to be the winning drive for the giants like not only were they 
bad penalties, but they were really poorly timed. Yeah. Not giving himself or his teammates a chance to recover either. Yeah, I think the unnecessary roughness, I know some folks were mad about the whistle was blown a while and it wasn't, I think the reason it's called is it wasn't like the, I think it was Barkley, but I don't remember. It might've been Brita. He might've been out for, for a possession, but, or for a snap, but um, it wasn't that he just went down. It was like the whistles blowing for a little while, a little bit there. And then Razul basically body slams him. And it's like, okay, yeah. you make it kind of easy to throw the flag there. It's just, it's just a bit too much. Yeah. It's just, I thought very costly penalties and, and mistakes from Razul. I thought Eric Stokes didn't look great and was getting beat pretty regularly. Um, and again, not 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 talking scheme stuff, which I don't think was ideal either. I, I think the, the soft zone was making it a little too easy for the Giants to move the ball. It just felt like the the pressure that we'd seen on on Zappy at some points in the Patriots game, and that we'd seen over the last couple of weeks after the first half, just was never there. And especially what in the the part of the game where Saquon Barkley was out, I still I I haven't been able to rewatch it all. I still don't understand how the Giants' offense was able to function with Daniel Jones, a bunch of WR4s, against this Packers defense that is supposed to be so so great, and they just weren't. You know, we Numak and I talked about Rashawn Gary being Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He had three tackles, none for loss, no sacks. I don't know how many pressures. I don't he, think he that did. Many. Well, he had the sack. It was Darnell Savage had the hold that canceled out his sack. So. And so I there's one the other that one. would have had. Jaron Reed was the other one for yeah, the, the Douglas. Douglas Hall. I think it was Jaron so, Reed and Preston Smith, if I remember right. I could be wrong. You could but, be right on that. You could be right. Um, but just not not enough, not consistently, especially against the Giants offensive line that their left tackle is elite. The rest of their line, though, has, has been pretty shaky this year. And I think that carried through in the first half and it did not in the second half. And I just think... It, between Saquon eventually getting uncorked. I thought overall, again, they did a reasonably good job with him, just not not quite good enough. Um, but just not being able to get to Daniel Jones, not being able to contain him, keep him in the pocket. He was able to roll out so easily and then just wait until somebody got open against that zone, uh, especially with Jair Alexander back. And I mean, This was obviously the controversy after week one was that zone versus you know just letting the corners actually do man more often. I think it, it would have helped, but I also don't think the defense, you know, individual on an inv- individual level played well enough either. Yeah, and I, I mean, to your point too, and you talk about Saquon Barkley, so his long is 40 yards, so you take that out, and he's 30 yards and 12 carries. Like, it's that, that one play where they let him get loose, and that does most of the damage there. It's not like he killed them today, even in a way maybe where a lot of people would have anticipated. Yeah. Um. So... That wasn't the problem. The problem, as you said, even when he's out of the game, the Giants, that's kind of the spell where they managed to get some real consistent momentum going, where it felt like they could get first downs. And Daniel Jones again to, you know, tip our hat to him. He was just delivering whether it was rushing or passing. When they needed something big to happen, he was he was coming up with the plays. I, I do think for the Packers defense on a day like this where it is tough and it's not going their way and look in a weird week. Um, maybe we'll touch on just the idea of, you know, playing overseas and the travel and all involved. Although I, 
I don't see it as the big excuse that I feel like a lot of Packers are ready to use it as. And honestly, the Flair's attitude towards the game has come across pretty weird all week. Um, and I wonder if that was the way conversations are happening behind closed doors. That's not great. Like you're seeding an excuse that doesn't need to be there. Uh, but on a day like this where you get two sacks that are negated for holds, that's that's a real killer. Because they're difference makers. They're plays where you've changed um you've changed the possession, you now control the possession and it's it's being played on your terms and instead you're giving away easy yards, you're giving away first downs. That's kind of part of the story of the day too, which is even when some of the kind of the regular and most reliable defensive contributors came up with big plays, they had a teammate to turn to and be like, Well, why did you do that? And now we're in a, a deeper hole than we were before. Yeah, worth noting, Saquon also had a 41-yard reception on a short pass, so still still gets his total yards up to over 100. But yeah, I think especially the first like six or seven Giants plays all were either rushes or throws to him, and mm-hmm. Green Bay had it bottled up. I think they, they started off great. I, you can only expect so much, I think, against a player of that level. I do think Saquon Barkley is one of those players who it's really tough to just completely nullify. I think they did enough against him, though. I think Daniel Jones adding in another 200 yards or it's up for 36 of that to Saquon. So 180 yards of offense to everybody else is the killer. And, of course, Green Bay's offense just stop stopping any offensive uh, production. Yeah, let, let's talk about the London stuff. I, personally, I think I've seen weird or especially sloggy London games before. And it is. I mean, not. it's not because of London. It's because it is traveling over an ocean and playing a game like, like the Bucks just played in Abu Dhabi, as you covered so well on the last Win and Six podcast. And those games were, it just felt like, it, it was almost bubble-esque to me. It felt like a lot of, just a lot of, like the Hawks couldn't miss and the Bucks couldn't shoot. And it was like, okay, whatever. Also, the Bucks didn't play that many of their guys in either game. But this game did not feel that weird to me. This game felt exactly like the last, you know, parts of the last four Packers games. They looked like the same Packers team. So if they were scoring 34 a game and then they do this or something else, I would maybe understand it. This just seemed very on brand for a team that has not strung together four quarters of good football in one game at all this season. Yeah, I, I think there's a big difference between these games and how the NFL puts them on overseas as opposed to how the NBA does. There is something just inherently weird about NBA games outside of home markets. The crowd is weird. It never quite gets anything close to the same. Uh, like, that wasn't the case today. I'm not saying the crowd is like Lambeau, but you cannot ask for more than that. One uh, in just like was, the sea of green yeah, that the say, players are looking was, out at. You've got there, your man. Packers, you've got your Packers word marks and your end zones. Like, you've got your green everywhere. Just in terms of eye lines, guys out there with the place getting pretty loud when the Packers were giving them anything to cheer about. Like, that's as much as you can hope for outside of being at home. That was um, maybe, like, the the first time a London home team has actually been the home team. Like, I think the Jaguars really tried. I, I just don't know if it really they, stuck. They tried because yeah. the NFL is just trying to make right. them, like, yeah. useful in some way. <laughs> but nobody wanted them. Where yeah. I can go back to long before I was ever into the NFL, like, as a... 14, 15 year old, like in high school. And 
I had lots of people in my year, lots of friends who were into NFL and were Packers fans and were wearing Packers jerseys. It showed that's up. That's certainly something in Ireland. That's definitely something in the UK. Mm. And then that's not even going to factor in, like, I'm sure there was large numbers who traveled from Germany, for example, who were Packers fans. So you aren't going to get maybe any other franchise that you're going to get that effect for a London game, which it is interesting that the Packers definitely enjoyed themselves. <laughs> The other, the other things, though, to talk about with that, and I think it changed, too, in the London games in recent years, um, shifting from Wembley to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has been a massive change and change for the better. The games have been better. And honestly, I think a lot of the excuses need to go away. The Wembley pitch was famously really bad for quite a few years. So complaints about the quality of the field and how it felt underfoot, I think, would have been very, very valid for a long time at Wembley. Wembley is the national stadium in the UK. It only gets used for for soccer games, FA Cup, national team games. You're probably talking 10 to 12 times a year max. And then it's a it's a concert venue beyond mm. that. So it's the pitch is never maintained to the same level that somewhere like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where it's week to week, your groundskeepers can't let it slip at all. And Tottenham's pitch is, I think, being very well commended and awarded kind of in a global sense for the quality. And I thought the field looked great today. I, I don't know. I didn't catch too much after the game, but it they're all the kind of things that I think used to be a factor in the London game where it felt much more makeshift in a lot of ways. That's all gone now. Like it's, it's just not a factor at all. It looked like it could have been in Lambeau. Yeah. Um, at times it sounded like it. I think the feel looked good. And even for the travel, like they got there pretty early. They got there early. They're staying at the Grove, which is, where the English national football team have stayed for years. It would be one of the best sporting facilities, kind of luxury hotel with grounds that you can go and have your practice on site in the UK. Like I I don't see a whole lot in their preparations and anything else. So I, I, you just didn't execute on the field is really what the game kind of looks like. And as much as kind of other elements of that may bubble under the surface, or even fans may look to use them as outs. I don't think they're really there in this case. I think it was all set up for the Packers to have a win, a good win, like it looked like they were going to do in the first half. And then they just kind of, they just rolled over and died. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly agree. I mean, I think there were times where I feel like I kind of did forget it was a game in London. I mean, obviously, you know, you see like the sideline is different and there's no Lambo leaps or that, that kind of thing. But it was, it was like clearly a Packers home game over there. I mean, if they ever, if they ever go back, and it seems like they may try to resist doing so, but if they ever go back and it's another team's quote-unquote home game, it will be that only in the word marks on the field. Like yeah. it, Clearly yeah, the Packers fans are going to show up and, and take over, as they do in some opposing stadiums uh, in the NFL over over in stateside. Not not too many, I'd say, like, like it'll be that. Um, but yeah, I just think it's just excuses. It's just being whiny at this point. It's... A little frustrating between the close wins where they go, ah, it's a win. It's win is a win is a win. And something like this where we're going to hear all about London, like address the issues with the football team. Like the, I was going to say the water and the toilet go in the other direction. It doesn't even change. It's the same hemisphere. It's the same. It is the same hemisphere. It wouldn't even be that. It's like, what is the Just the unit, different units. I don't think that's what, that's what sunk you. Like they're not, we're, they're not we're still talking yards. I was, yeah, exactly. I'm going to say they're not like they marked the field in millimeters or something. There's no reason 
that, the UK are doing what they can to get away from the metric system true. in recent years. Ty, I'd so. let, let's, I'm not going to wait anymore. I, I always end up in geopolitical hot water. But the, the point is, there was no reason that it should have been different. And the other thing, just to add on, the travel and everything may be a lot. The Giants had to do the same thing. And they came in with half of a healthy quarterback. And we're still able to execute much better over the course of what's the game. A, what's, a, what's a flight to L.A.? What's what's the flight time to LA from Wisconsin? Uh, I'm gonna ballpark it at I don't know maybe seven hours, seven or eight okay. hours. <laughs> We're not talking massive differences. Yeah, here. like uh, that's that's the other element of this too. Even yeah, okay, there is jet lag, but I'm not. Maybe I'm the the worst person in the world to hear any excuses like this because I'm just not going to entertain anyone complaining with the time zone differences between Central Time and uh, British Standard Time. Um, so maybe I'm just an unsympathetic ear here because I'm used to just trying to live my life across both of those time zones at once. Six hours it, to ten I, hours is the comp, by the way. I looked it up. From Green Bay to not, LA versus London. Yeah, agreed. Like. It's sure it is there. It's a thing that exists, but I think the more you kind of build it up mentally in the week and you're like, oh, we're going to London in ways that you wouldn't be doing if you're going to the West Coast. I think that's that's part of the problem. Maybe that is something that they would consider if they are ever making the trip back to Europe. I they may not be in London anytime soon. I think the NFL will really want if the the Munich game, it is Munich, I think they're doing the regular season game this season too. If that goes well, I, I just it's so much of a no-brainer for the Packers to go yeah. and play in Munich. And that should be a fun thing too. But if you don't make it fun or if you kind of you really go out of your way, like LaFair's body language and his press conferences, how we talk about it, there was a lot of you know, what time is it? Where am I sort of jokes? It's like, yeah, that stuff gets old, dude. And I, I don't know if that's the ideal approach rather than just Go and embrace it. And no matter if you're feeling that stuff, let's put it out of the way so your players aren't thinking of it too. It doesn't decide the game, but I, I didn't think that was the ideal approach um, that it felt like the Packers were taking. And Russell Douglas, he was quoted three days ago. Um, I wonder if I can find it. I have. Um, this is from Ryan Wood. Um, speak to Russell Douglas on... It was even earlier. So he played in London with Philly during his second season of the NFL. Um, and so this was on October 6th. So this is before they fly out, just after they've arrived, something it's like that? Three days ago. I, I don't remember exactly. Just they after they've up. arrived. Probably first sense. media availability. Yeah. He's asked what it was like in London previously. Again, I'm sorry, Ty, you're going to have to it's, tag this uh, yeah, we already, because we already, of Russell Douglas. Yeah, it's just we already, Douglas, we breached it already. It's fine. Quote, it fucking sucked. You don't get to do nothing over there. You just fucking get on a plane, get over there, and fucking practice, and then you play a game. End quote. That was this quote a few days ago. Like, <laughs> I do remember this, yeah. That's not great. It's not the headspace to did be they in not bring him anywhere? I, I did hear there was a team that a couple of players did get in trouble overseas a few years back. I think it was for a London game. So there was some hypothesis that maybe the NFL is trying to tighten up a little bit. But 
it's it's really weird if they're not like going to see Big Ben or you know like some the, other Premier the NBA, League team. Exactly, like yeah, that's a is on massive the, thing. He's on the pitch, kicking the kicking the soccer ball around. They and go even, to Booking a Palace, they get their pictures taken outside. Like all of that is almost league organized. Yeah, like, yeah. Photo opportunities, and they we, have the team photo by Big Ben. We all had our qualms, right. obviously, fairly about the Abu Dhabi games, but it was the same deal. Like they at least got yes, to go yeah. and see the you know, whitewashed or whatever versions of, of the country and, and try to embrace it. That's what they're do you there think that's for. A, do you think that's a coach's mentality difference? Just the way that NFL coaches I, I wonder if it's league. Week. I wonder if it's league well, more than, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the other teams do. I, maybe the Giants were all over, maybe not. But it is really weird to me if they go over there and they don't, like you'd think there'd at least be like some day where they get out of practice a little early or whatever and, Go do something, London. You'd have some appreciation for it. Like I kind of, I kind of get where the players are coming from if they really are just like kind of basically treated like it's a bubble when they go over there. Which I don't, I just don't know why it would be like that. So I, I don't know. I don't have the insight there. But it, it is that would be. It's bizarre either way. It's bizarre that this was anything that felt so negative. I mean, outside of not again, you lose a home game. But also, you don't really because the Packers fans in London were incredible. That was the best part of the game. That and special teams. I want to talk about special teams. I, I of... didn't want us to go without talking about Mason Crosby specifically. But Oh, the kick? Um, yeah. The fast I mean, kick? So impressive. One, just last year, uh, it kind of felt like the end might have been near at times. and uh, Not all his fault. He was not put in the best position to succeed. Uh, with his long snapper, with all sorts of combinations of things going on with, with special teams last year. But Mason Crosby has been absolutely fantastic and taking that delay game to, I guess, recenter themselves, get set up better. Um, and it ended up, I think it was a 46 yard kick, right? That he ends up taking. Yep. No big deal. No problem. And that's two relatively long kicks today, job done, which is also something that I think when we talk about the Packers just failing to deliver in the second half and just a no-show offensively. Even if you weren't, you know, getting the best version of yourself today, there was one play where they were in field goal range and then Rodgers ends up taking a sack. No, he down. pitched it. He, he, it, was it the field goal? If it was the field no, goal right after so. he, he, oh, okay. I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of a different play then. You go ahead. No, he sacked to take them out of field goal. Oh, that play. On one gotcha. of the plays. Yeah. yeah. Where you look at how close this game is, and again, if you get a field goal there, um, well, one, the Giants wouldn't have been taking a safety, and you could have pinned them back there. But secondly, the game is ultimately decided by five points. If you had another field goal up on the board already, you know, you're well within field goal range, pretty comfortable towards the end of that game, and you have a chance to win it. Like, I just thought Mason Crosby looked excellent. It's a really positive development for the Packers that the majority of their special teams, the majority of their special teams look vastly improved, very reliable, and honestly are performing at a pretty high level this year. Um, certainly the, the parts of special teams that perform with the boot, I think, would be the, the way of putting that. Pat O'Donnell um, had a bad punt. Um, he did have, but he had now. he had plenty of good punts. Too, yeah, and, and it it could have been it could have ended up being an inadvertently great punt if the Packers recovered the ball, but it was not a good punt. Oh yeah, he had his other punts were good. Um, Amari, Ro- I don't get the Amari. I don't I don't know why Amari Rogers is on the team. I really don't. I, There's no because he he's a because he, he was a draft be. pick. I'm, I think I'm guessing that's the only reason. Like if Amari Rogers was an undrafted guy who they tried at kick returner, 
He's just gone by now, even if the, the financial guarantee was the same. But he's he's not worth it. He's It feels weird to know an exact player's place in the 53, but he's 53rd. There's just no reason for him to be on this roster. Um, find someone else who can return kicks. They find Rudy Ford. He's incredible special teams. Are like You can find guys who can do it. He's, the, he's purely at this point like a punt returner. Like, but not a good one. We're talking about... <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about right. the struggles that they're having and connecting with passes and all of the questions there. Like, if there's anything there, they're really like, we've got to get them some real reps just receiving generally. It's it's not going to be that because no one has the faith that he can do that and he can't do the one thing he's being asked to do well either. Like, they really got away with the fumble that was recovered. Really, really got away with it. To see him make... I don't even want to say big gains, but even just modest gains is very, very unusual. We've had a couple of times this season where he's managed that, and it's truly shocking. But you're just not getting anything positive there. And then when the door is being opened to stuff like the fumble that they got away with today, if that goes wrong, well, the game's turning for a completely innocuous reason. That's a lot more painful. It's one thing your offense just stalls, your defense doesn't deliver, but you can't lose games because of special teams. It's like... It's the one thing you've got to make sure you've got down, and they've improved in a lot of ways. But Amari Rogers is certainly holding them back right now. Well, and I think it's I think it's pretty clear that uh, Biasacha has done a great job and clearly has that unit ready. They've also just added better special teamsers, and it turns out that makes a difference. So they need to add a better one there. The field goal I was super impressed by with Crosby was Rogers on third and ten. And this was another one of these sequences where they have first and t- first and 10 on the Giants 29 pass, pass, pass for whatever the clock is running down. But still, like, call a running play. I actually know they were out of timeouts. Never mind. I take that back. Yeah, they had no time to get set. They, they actually had their timeouts for that drive, though, which was incredible. Look how that got you points. Maybe do that more often. But they, for whatever reason, Rogers under pressure basically flips it to Robert Tunyon behind the line of scrimmage. And he goes down where if you throw that ball away. It makes it much easier for the field goal unit. Instead, with no timeouts and the clock expiring, they have to rush out there and kick immediately. And they executed it flawlessly. And that's that's just not easy to do. It's pretty unusual, actually, for a special teams unit to have to rush out there and just go. Obviously, it's fourth down. You can't you can't spike it to kill the clock. No timeouts. There was no choice. But just a really impressive and well-executed kick especially for a 48-yarder. It's not like they had to run out there and hit a chip shot. So Mason Crosby, you know, maybe the, the Packers' best player in this game, certainly did the job. Just uh, It just wasn't enough. Didn't have enough opportunities, as you said. And on Mason Crosby and on the idea of London generally, so Mason Crosby is part owner of League Two um, football club Walsall who he has yet to get to see because of the pandemic and all of that. They were playing at home yesterday. Um, there was an article, I can't remember who wrote the article in the week about this, but about him kind of considering all possible avenues that he could get to the game, get to see them for the first time, uh, including like, should he get a helicopter or what way could you do this? And ultimately he was like, no, there's a chance I'd be late for practice and I can't be late for practice. So he's sacrificing the chance to go and see the, the team he owns and the Packers can't when he comes up with an excellent performance individually, get him a win. So that that made me sad too for yeah. Mason Crosby. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I did see some pics of him like kicking around a soccer ball during the week as well. And I was like, oh, at least, yeah, somebody's, had, at least somebody's having fun. 
I, I know I asked in our Discord earlier in the season too because on some of the the photos the Packers put out on, on Instagram of the players getting on the plane, all the special teams guys were wearing Walsall jerseys. I was like, what, what's going on? Why are all these <laughs> Packers guys wearing Walsall jerseys? It turns out Mason Crosby's a part owner now. Oh, we got to get Mason Crosby on the pod. I feel like Mason Crosby, this is the stuff we know about. Imagine how much interesting yeah, Mason Walsall. Crosby stuff That's, we just well, don't know. know. Yeah. Sounds too much like Wausau, small city in, in middle Wisconsin. A small city that's, is it just yeah, repurposing the name of Warsaw, the capital of Poland? That seemed likely. Maybe. No, if I if I had to guess, it'd be a, it's a Native American word, as most things here are. Oh, okay. That's also possible, yeah. But it could have just so been. So is the Polish part possible, too, though, Yeah, Wisconsin. We'll have to look up the... the naming origins of Wausau, but I think that tells you that we are uh, probably pretty much at the end of this here podcast. We're breaking down the SAW, uh, SAU, here in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. definitely, it's definitely Native American. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Adam, any, anything else that we didn't cover? Any other, any last thoughts on, on Green Bay here as the Packers drop to three and two following the L in London? Not really. It's a kind of a season-defining week coming up, though. It's how do you respond to this? You've lost two games early in the season. You're not playing very well. I don't think you have a whole lot there to hang your hat on and be really confident about this turning. So you've got to go and show something real, show something that the fans can get behind, but also that just as a, as a group that they can look to and be like, yeah, that's what the best version of ourselves looks like. And when we do that, we can beat any team in the NFL. So this is a big week. Two games coming up where, yeah, you can probably win them, not at your best once again, but the Packers have got to move past that. It's time to start showing something that is good. You know, it's yeah. I'm not asking for great. I'm asking for good. Can we put four quarters together, two halves, and just put in some consistent offense, some consistent defense? Nothing needs to be perfect, but it just it needs to be better than it's been so far. 100%. I think the the silver lining is... I think the personnel is here. Like, I think they have enough players to be a damn good football team. Razul freed me up here for for this outro. But, and that combined with, your record is fine. They're three and two. It's not great. You'd like it to be better given the teams they've played, but that's fine. That's not, especially with a Bucks game in there and the Vikings game, it's not like you have dug yourself a hole that you can't get out of for the playoffs or the division. You know, it's things are in the Vikings control right now, but there's a lot of games left. There should be an opportunity to get back in there and take the division if you start playing well. Um, but it's really, it's a time where the season still has a lot of promise. There just needs to be a lot of internal, I mean, soul searching doesn't sound right, but just a lot of figuring out on both units, how can we be better? A little concerning, I think, for Joe Barry that, we're already getting a lot of reports that Matt LaFleur is kind of telling him how to scheme up the defense. That typically is not a great thing for a defensive coordinator's future. I know you sent into the chat, fire Joe Barry is, is trending. We'll see on that one. But I, I'm not saying they have to do that or not. I'm saying the offense and the defense need a much, need a different identity. And they need to actually, actually, you know, define that identity where right now I just feel like we see too much wishy-washy inconsistent play from this team on both ends. So I think they can do it. They just, I feel like I said this with the Bucks a lot. They just, they just got to do it. Uh, hopefully the Packers can. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, I'm never good at outros, but subscribe, rate, and review. 
please, this podcast and any other GSPN podcast that you listen to. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We will be back later this week with a preview of Packers Jets. So look forward to that. And until then, pod random and talk to you next time. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.